Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. Registration is now open for SEJ Summit 2017. Taking place May 11th at Chicago's Navy Pier, we'll have leading speakers in digital marketing, SEO, social media, and more. Use code NERD for $50 off any ticket type. Learn more at our website, searchenginejournal.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Search Engine Nerds. I'm your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by Maddie Carey, um, Director of Paid Search at Pointed Digital Marketing. Um, we're going to talk about paid search in this episode, but specifically, we're going to focus around profitability and how to make sure that your paid search campaigns um, remain profitable um, and have a good ROI for you and your company. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode. Again, Maddie, for uh, joining us uh, on the podcast. Uh, I'm excited to talk a little bit about paid search. To be, you know, completely honest, um, paid search really isn't like my, my forte. It's not the place I spend the most amount of time. I mean, I definitely have some working knowledge with it, and you know, over the years. But um, I'm kind of always interested uh, to, to talk to people that really understand it much better than I do, uh, because I'm always curious to learn a bit. So I'm kind of excited to talk a bit um, with you about that. And specifically, I think what we're going to kind of dive into, what I'm hoping you can kind of speak more to, is the concept around paid search when it comes to profitability for companies, like focusing on things like impression share, brand awareness, um, you know, other things like that. And and I wanted to kind of kick things off because I know uh, there's going to be certain people who are going to be listening and are going to be interested to know a little bit about the terminology. So what what exactly is uh, impression share. Yeah. And again, Brent, thanks so much for having me. Um, so impression share is basically a look at of all the available impression volume that, um, you're targeting within your paid search campaign. So the traffic demand that you're going after, um, how much of that are you actually capturing? Um, and where it's tricky is that actually engines like Google, when they give you those kind of impression share metrics or share those with you, they are not kind of a a true measurement um, in the simplest of forms. So um, for example, if you are running a paid search campaign and it's telling you that you're capturing 100% impression share, what that really means is of the impressions that Google thinks you're eligible to have gotten, Um, So of the pie, what it thinks you realistically would get based on what keyword you're targeting, your quality scores, um, a lot of different factors, um, you captured 100% of those. So that doesn't mean of all the impressions that you're going after, that you're getting every single one, but that of what Google thinks you're eligible or able to get, um, that's what you're capturing. So it's a good um, metric to help get a sense of what exactly of what you're targeting, how much of that are you capturing and um, consistently capturing over time? And what, what would be the importance of that? Like if, I, if, I'm, if I'm looking at saying like I have a certain amount of budget, I have a certain, uh, you know, obviously I want in my mind as, as a marketer, I'm, I want 100% 
I want mm-hmm. all of it, right? So what's a good number to target and when does it really make a difference in what we do? Yeah. And I think that's the balancing act that we do as search marketers. It's an interesting channel to be in because our audience by nature is coming to us and telling us what they want, um, you know, compared to even what you can target within social or even um, outside of just direct search demand and display or email. You know, people are um, coming to a search engine and using queries to indicate what they're looking for. So I think there is a tendency um, for particularly newer search marketers to feel that, oh, we have this demand, it's valuable, it's indicating what the, you know, what people are looking for, I should try to capture all of it. Um, I should just try to, you know, be the bully on the playground and push everyone else out and get as much of it as, as I can. Um, and, and that's where we have to remember as digital marketers that there still is the data and measuring things from a cost per conversion or, um, you know, even an ROI standpoint as to is actually maximizing all of it the right move? Is that going to help you from, um, in your profitability? So, um, you know, when I work with clients, I, I generally start by looking at, you know, okay, what are we doing in brand? Um, brand is a, a highly valuable um, demand stream for any advertiser. Um, folks who are searching on your brand have likely not only an association with your brand, but likely a positive one. They're actively searching for you, um, as well as brand generally, depending on what brand you are, um, can be less competitive, lower CPCs. Um, so it's basically a low-cost investment for high-value um oftentimes highly profitable conversions. So real quick, so, when, you, when you say brand, you mean like people searching on the brand? Yeah, so okay. true brand term. So for example, you know, if, if Amazon was running paid search ads, it would be, you know, Amazon or Amazon gotcha. Prime. So things that, yeah, specifically contain the company brand and the query. Um, so for those terms... There is a lot of value there, in which case, um, if your competition isn't incredibly intense, so you don't have your competitors aren't bidding on your own brand really aggressively, um, then it does make sense to maximize impression share. How can you capture the majority of that demand that in a way somewhat, you know, quote unquote, belongs to you um, that is highly relevant to the searchers who are searching on those brand queries. Um, So there is can be a lot of value in figuring out how to maximize that. Um, And that might not necessarily be 100%, but it could be, you know, 90%, 95%. Basically, also, once you get over the 95% mark, like, you're essentially like, you know, basically at 100, You're, you're really at the top of what you can maximize. Um, so that's a, definitely a place where it is worthwhile to consider um, like optimizing to a higher impression share. Now in other spaces, if you're bidding on um, terms that do not contain your brand name, so what we would call the non-brand bucket, or if you're doing any sort of conquesting and going after your competitors' keywords, obviously the folks investing in those spaces, there's a lot more of them. Um, there's They're all going after pieces of the same pie, um, there aren't necessarily going to be those lower CPCs. The investment is going to be much higher. And if you're not careful, you can really hit 
really quickly a point of diminishing returns where you're just spending excessively um, for not much gain. So that's where it's it's important to be more fine-tuned with um, if you are taking an impression share approach to how you're bidding on those terms, making sure that you are being smart about it and not just bidding up to 100% for the sake of, of trying to capture it all. So how do you balance um, impression share and brand together? Because one of the things that comes to my mind right off the bat from an SEO standpoint is is that like a big draw for organic SEO is the fact that if you own your brand results, then you don't necessarily need to focus as much on the paid side because, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're just, you're, you're paying for the results that you already have. Do you see, do you tend to still suggest, you know, to people to focus on paid on the brand when they are organically ranking and to follow on with that, you know, how do you kind of balance, you know, high brand, you know, SERP results that you have compared to the impression share that you want? Mm-hmm. No, it's a great question. It comes up a lot, particularly with clients that we work with who we are working with them on both um, you know, search engine optimization from the organic side as well as how we're doing it on the paid marketing side. Um, so I always suggest to clients opting out of brand for paid search can be detrimental not just to your paid search growth, but as well to what you're doing organically. There have been a lot of different studies that measure what the impact is when you have both a paid listing and ideally an organic listing um, shown on the SERP. And you know the, the most infamous one is one that Google put together a couple years ago that demonstrated doing so added a 50% incremental click lift um, for advertisers who had both showing and even demonstrated that if your organic listing maybe is not in the very top spot, but is in, you know, positions two and three, three, that yeah, that paid search adds an 80% incremental lift. So, um, the two play really well together and the numbers will indicate that in, you know, in many case studies that I've read and reviewed with our clients. Um, but on top of that, there's additional benefits that sometimes are a little harder to measure. Um, having both listings show definitely represents a feeling of authority and at times trust with people searching um, that not only you have a presence organically, but you have one in paid and that those paid results can add a lot of additional bells and whistles that maybe can't be quite utilized um, in an organic yeah. listing. Um, so those little things, reviews, uh, phone numbers to click to call, um, additional kind of snippets and site links that are specific to search, um, even different kind of extensions that help that ad stand out, um, create some of that authority as well as support the relevant and hopefully optimized experience that you've set up in what's showing in your organic listing as well. I really like that. I've never really heard anybody speak to, you know, really utilizing the differences between what you can do with the ad versus the organic, right? Because mm-hmm. there are limitations and the ads do give you so much more. Um, I'd be very curious, do you know if anybody's done any studies or have you guys done any real, you know, like goal tracking or conversion tracking to identify how well the different features work? I mean, are there mm-hmm. certain features that you know um, from a you know an ad perspective, really truly lead to better conversions when you have both results. Yeah, it's a that's a great question. It's challenging in that site links alone um, for most clients don't drive the majority of 
the click volume or even conversion volume. It's more that you notice the impact when they're not there. So we've worked for, for example, clients in the travel space or the hospitality space um, where when they don't have, for example, a review extension or a call extension or even location extensions, and we've, you know, maybe adopted their client, their account from um, another group. And the minute that we implement those things, we see pretty notable improvements in click-through rate um, and then down the line conversion rate. But it's difficult. It's, it's We don't tend to see that those conversions or those clicks are necessarily all being attributed to those extension features. It's more just that the ad suddenly looks more robust. It provides more information. It, again, creates this sense of trust and authority um, that helps just the ad as a whole get more of that engagement. So I tend to approach things a little bit kind of hackish. And so one of the mm. things that I'm thinking about as you're talking through that, and I kind of wanted to get your idea if it's something you could do, both to answer my own personal question, but also I think it would be interesting. Could I take low converting pages that I know rank really well and run different higher converting page ads on the same keywords so that I get both the results that look similar, but if people click on the top result, I know that they're going to convert better than the bottom result? Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely think that would be an interesting test to set up. I mean, you could even look at doing some of those things. I mean, if you're focusing on it from a landing experience standpoint or messaging standpoint, there are a lot of tools that you can use even just within AdWords, like for example, experiments that you can set up that allows you to kind of segment traffic in a, in a very even split way um, to get some of those learnings. Um, but it would be interesting to do it in a play with paid search and organic um, to kind of test. Basically what you're doing is you're testing different combinations of what happens when the two serve together and, and what impact that has. Um, and there's also some really useful um, reporting and, and dimensional um, insights in that within AdWords that, you know, our SEO team and our director of SEO actually poke in all the time since they're not no longer some of that data is available in, you know, what he can pull from, from even like webmaster tools or even like looking in analytics. Um, some reporting that AdWords provides that you can start to see, okay, what does performance look like when just a paid is showed, just organic is showed, or both. Um, and kind of, I think the more elevated like version of that, or like what could be an interesting test is if you started to tweak some of the different features or messaging or um, structures of those two, a paid and an organic listing, and and then evaluated what impact that had. Absolutely. Because I mean, that's why I was asking anybody done testing to be able to see like when you have the organic and the paid, then the paid mm -hmm. result gets X percent clicked more because that mm. would be very interesting to say like I have a number three result that is great but it doesn't convert at all but this number if I throw this ad on top of it that looks similar but it sends it to a different landing page do I increase the click-throughs of that ad by x percent because of both results um, mm -hmm. it would be really interesting to see if you could utilize that to kind of showcase you know and kind of piggyback on that natural uh, result yeah, you'd have to do a bit of a identifying the right account in which you're testing it in an environment that is a bit more stable, just given, you know, this is another challenge that we face a lot with paid searches. Um, you know, we have clients who, for example, go and try to search for their ad and, you know, they send us a screenshot. Well, why is my ad in position two right now? Aren't we bidding for position one? Or 
why is my ad not showing when I do this search? And, um, you know, on the paid side, uh, especially how ads are shown, when they're shown, um, factors like how often you're searching on the same keyword. Um, Google's algorithm is trying to adjust to, to, of course, for them, optimized to the click-through because they're trying to generate the revenue for themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And they'll change things a lot. And they'll do, I mean, we've had weird things where the ad gets shown at the bottom of the page where, um, you know, when we used to have sidebar ads or side rail ads, um, you know, ads get shown kind of in different formations. If you're in the e-commerce space, sometimes shopping ads just completely dominate and no text ads are shown at all. So you'd have to to do that test. I think you'd have to pick a very specific client in a specific vertical and, and likely even do it on brand in particular, we're often only one, um, if it's not a super competitive environment for that brand, um, only that brand's ad is shown. So you really have a single brand paid ad and then a, a brand listing or organic listing, hopefully at, at yeah. number one. Interesting. Interesting. So mm. when we're talking about, I mean, a big part of what we're talking about is going to be, you know, about being profitable, right? Mm-hmm. And, and making sure that the efforts that are being made are profitable. And and as you know, from spending time in this space a long time, there is very, you can make very minor tweaks to have massive uh, results in, in, in saving money. I mean, I think one of the things that we've always found from looking, reviewing accounts, or even looking at our own accounts is just simply negative keywords alone yeah. can be so huge. I mean, you go and you look and you're like, wait a minute, because you can get into, and I don't know the exact reporting, maybe you can uh, elaborate on this a little bit for me, but I know there's a place where you can go in and look exactly what the phrases that were searched are mm-hmm. when your ad shows up. And then you start getting into there and you're like, wait a minute, like 98% of my ads are showing up for this phrase, which means absolutely nothing for me. So yeah. where have I screwed up and where can I put a negative keyword and eliminate that whole you know, uh, problem, right? Yeah. And I think one of the things we... I, I experience, I do, as part of my role, I do a lot of, um, I focus a lot on the business development side, and a lot of that involves doing um, solution design and opportunity analysis for prospects and um, often, you know, looking into their current accounts and kind of putting together strategies. And more often than not, the part that pains me the most, whether it's, you know, whether it's they're working with an agency, another agency, or they're doing it in-house, or they're working with a consultant, it's when you've found a client who cannot figure out how to grow their account or they know they should be doing something different. They're not sure what it is or they're struggling with profitability. You know, CPAs are too high or return is is really poor. And you go and look in their negative um, keywords and you look at their, um, their search query reports like you called out and you're discovering either one negative keyword management is just not happening on a regular basis, which it's the easiest way to cut out inefficient costs. You have to look at what queries you're matching to and tell basically your campaigns what to no longer match to what's not relevant or what's you know not cost effective and then the other flip side too is um discovering that some queries that they're matching to is burning through 40 50 percent of their spend um so they can't actually fund the things uh, more that are working um it's or we see it on the Google Display Network too. Display Network campaigns that have no negative placements, um, and you know those things just aren't being updated regularly. So it's it's really one of the easiest wins you can have, and it's important um, because the search space. I always equate it to it's like your 
putting a net out like into a, a river and you're hoping to like catch fish, but there's all the water and whatever rocks and leaves and whatever flowing through. And if you don't check the net regularly, then you're going to pull it out of the water and discover that it's, it's just a giant hole in it. It's just been completely like blown yeah. through. Um, and that's our jobs is to check the net. That's we're capturing that demand at the bottom of the funnel um, via those queries. And if you don't check the net, then, I mean, you're not really efficient. You're not, you're not really doing anything effectively. Another area that I think um, people tend to try to look at in order to kind of, you know, control their profitability or control their spend is conversions on a certain keyword, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is assuming that you've done enough to actually put conversion tracking on there, which I'm, I'm, I'm hoping everybody I'm who's hoping. listening to this at <laughs> least has done that, right? Um, yeah. and, and if they've done that, then you start going in and, I, and I've been guilty of this as well as I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well... I'm only spending $500 a month on this campaign and I'm blowing through that budget so fast, but I've got an even split amongst say 30 keywords. Mm-hmm. How many, what's the volume that I need before? Cause some people are going to go in and they're going to say, I got a hundred, you know, clicks on this and I didn't get any conversion. So I'm going to stop it. Mm-hmm. And it could be that it takes 200 you know, clicks to get the conversion. It's yeah. still worth it, right? So how do you, do you actually, what, what is your guidance for determining when to shut off a keyword? Uh, it's a good keyword for you. You know it's a good keyword, but it's just not working. When do you mm-hmm. know to shut it off? Yeah, it, it always is going to depend on, um, you know, the available budget of the client and what vertical they're in and, and what kind of volume is even available on those terms. So um, it's hard even, you know, working day to day and different accounts to kind of have like a, a set number. But I mean, we typically are, are giving keywords three to six months. I mean, six months is kind of the max um, to perform um, in the sense that like, you know, we know that we're dealing with um, quick monthly budgets that we need to not wait too long to take actions on. You know, if it's a bigger spend client, um, then we're, we're probably, you know, giving it maybe a month, a month and a half, depending on how much data is driven. But the other part too, and the kind of different philosophies around this are also, you know, if you believe it's a good keyword, you look at the term, you look at the queries it's driving it in, um, you know, you don't want to just start mass shutting off things solely based on, well, I didn't drive a conversion from it, therefore I should not bid on it. Um, you do have to kind of look at what actually is a relevant term. If it's not converting at all or if it's getting like very little traffic, then maybe the problem is that it isn't a relevant term. You've just convinced yourself it is. Um, but there's also the impact, and we, we deal with this a lot with clients who struggle with like non-brand like driving higher CPAs. And they're like, well, we should just turn it off. And it's like, well, for one, if we want to continue growing, we have to keep exploring this environment. And two, people's search paths are not as simple as I search one term and then I convert. I I wish, or then I click through. I wish it was that easy, but people kind of take these loop-de-loop paths at times where they start on a non-branded term. They maybe even go direct to the site um, later and then maybe even later come back on a brand term. So um, I once read an, an article, and I can't remember it off the top of my head now, but it was that there's no such thing as a non-brand search. Um, the minute that someone searches on a non-brand keyword and is exposed to your ad, it becomes a branded experience. Yeah. Um, and so we do a lot of that balance with clients, too, of before we just start mass shutting things off or 
um, before we've decided, all right, we've given this X weeks and so therefore it's a dud. Um, we have to think a little bit too about what is the downstream impact of that. Um, and hopefully, depending on how analytics are set up or kind of what attribution tracking they have down to the keyword level, um, we can explore more of those paths. Yeah, I was just going to say that they have the, uh, I forget what they call it in analytics, but you can track the under, you know, patterns. So you can see that mm -hmm. they came three different times and it was like, it's actually this keyword that's, you know, you think you're converting on this keyword, but this is the one that sets the path to that keyword exactly. every time. Um, and so there's a lot in analytics that can actually help a lot with that. Um, and, and it's interesting. Um, I, I think that's really interesting, um, you know, the fact that you have to identify what to shut off, but you have to be careful with researchers, right? We always call that the mm -hmm. researching pattern, right? There's yeah. certain keywords that are integral to your business, but there's also certain keywords that people just generally research on a regular basis, mm -hmm. whether they're looking for tools or whether they're looking for information or, you know, they're not necessarily always looking for services. And that's where it becomes really kind of important to identify what longer string uh, searches are going to get you your conversions, right? Like identifying that they started on a general search query, what's the query plus brand or what's the query, the longer query that means that they've gone on to selection, right? Yeah. And I, we, I remember once talking to someone at a conference and she worked in a very kind of interesting space. It was targeting some sort of software to police detectives. And the challenge they were having was they felt like they didn't have a brand presence yet. They were trying to grow it. Um, you know, they were doing things outside of search to do that, but they still had kind of some smaller search campaigns on to capture what they could. Um, and she was like, you know, I'm, I'm bidding on some of these non-brand terms and um, no one, you know, there's just not enough volume or we can't compete with some of, the, of our competitors. And I remember suggesting to her bidding on competitor terms um, so that she was their ads were showing along with competitors. You had to be smart about it, right? Not dump a bunch of money into it, just given some of the limitations she had with budget. But I said, you want people to search on, if they know one of your competitors, then one, some of the work is done for you. They know what kind of software you provide. You don't have to educate them, which is what you know some of their challenge was. But two, if your ad is showing along with theirs, they immediately, just by association, will go, oh, you are also someone in the space and maybe equate you to being a, an, of equal value or of, um, you know, having similar um, features or pricing, you know, whatever it is, just by seeing you next to them. So you have to kind of play with that in the non-brand space, too, of if I'm showing along with someone else, I get bucketed in searchers' mind, in consumers' minds, as being on the same par with them. Now, as they explore your products or service, hopefully you can differentiate yourself and that is the case. But um, that step alone, putting your brand in front of people, almost like on the same shelf with the other brands, reminds people that you should be placed in that bucket too. Another thing that I really like to do with that regard, as well as if anybody happens to be listening and they're thinking, I have that small brand, I want to get placed next to someone. Um, it's really good to um, identify uh, and create content that does comparisons. You, mm -hmm. you have, you know, you do some outreach, you do some like uh, blogger outreach, or you run some content that says like, here's the top three and myself. 
right? Exactly. And, and you throw yourself into that comparison, and that can really do a lot for that as well. Um, just side note, you know. Yeah, no, that's times. great. So we, we talked about negative keywords. We talked about shutting off some terms at a certain point. Um, what do you think from just looking at from a profitability standpoint for paid search, um, what do you think are some other areas that people could really spend some time in that would ha- really impact their profitability? Yeah, I think the first thing that anyone should do is um, identify what I call like your cash cows. So figure out what are the keywords that are driving the lion's share of your conversions and or your revenue um, if you're in the e-commerce space. Um, look at that first and figure out if you're doing that effectively. Is there any opportunities for you to um, target a different audience on those terms, do testing from copy and landing page perspectives to help with click-through rate or conversion rate? Um are there, is there anything that's really um, ineffective cost-wise that you're doing there? Like maybe they're driving a lot of conversions, but you're actually not, um, you know, managing your costs in those terms well. Um, the thing I see a lot is, for example, someone is bidding on an exact and phrase match version of their brand as well as a broad match version of it. They all live within the same ad group, and that broad match term is really basically cannibalizing exact and phrase match queries. Sure. And that broad match term is generally likely going to be at a slightly lower quality score, probably a higher CPC, uh, because you're matching to a lot of uh, additional queries outside of the more controlled exact and phrase. Your click-through rate is not going to be as good, et cetera. So starting there is the first step. Um, I think that people neglect or they don't want to like touch what isn't broken and oftentimes I, I suggest to them um, having a testing plan and a hypothesis around some of those things. And if the results aren't as good as they were before, then, you know, you can revert back to what you're doing before. Um, I think that that's step number one, as well as the other best way to improve profitability is you have to have regular account health tasks and management and um, what you're doing in your account, whether that's negative keyword mining on a weekly basis or, um, you know, looking at placement targeting and making adjustments there, not set it, doing set it and forget it bidding. Um, if possible, leveraging, if you have enough conversion volume, leveraging AdWords, um, flexible bid strategies or even eCPC strategies to get drive more conversions at better CPAs. Um, you know, those are the things that ultimately they are small at times every day, for lack of a better word, kind of boring things that we do in the realm of all the cool stuff we can do in search. But those are the foundational pieces that can impact cost efficiency and ultimately profitability in in the best way. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned like focusing on what's converting because I think that what as you as you allude to not only do people not want to touch something that's you know don't fix what's not broken but exactly. I think a lot of times we think okay that's working now how do I make the things that aren't working work. Mm-hmm. Right? And 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 as you kind of allude to if it's working figuring out a way to improve how it's working or maybe even getting better learning on why that's working so you can pick some other phrases that would work as well as that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, would be kind of where you want to spend time. But even myself in running campaigns have found myself saying, okay, well, that one's converting, so I'm going to leave that one alone and just put more budget to it. And then I'm going to focus on why these other ones aren't working. 
Yeah, and I think even with the stuff that's working, we can really surprise ourselves in some assumptions we've made about why it's working. Um, it, you know, and that could be like, oh, this is working because uh, it's, you know, it's a high converting keyword that makes sense because of X, Y, Z. And also because um, it works because my target market is, you know, this age or this gender or shops at this time or in this geo or doesn't use mobile or does use mobile. You know, we make some like, at times, strong assumptions that aren't based in data we've yet collected or at least tested in that smaller testing environment, doing so in on your best converting terms. Now, there's, of course, risk with any test. Doing that might mean performance doesn't improve or you hurt performance. But if you have a term that a majority of, let's say, your demand is coming through, so a good small environment to get a sense of uh, what's actually going to have an impact, even that you can take outside of just that best performing keyword or keywords, do a test there, challenge some assumptions, you might actually, one, and actually improve even further on that best performing term, and then take a learning that you can go apply to terms that are struggling to better use your your media funds on those terms as well. Yeah, that's a really good point, because if you've got to identify what's making what's working a little bit better, then that, that would probably help make what's not working work. Yeah. In general, right? Even if it's just a little bit. I mean, it would at least help you to, to, to eliminate false positives for why you're not using it or why it's not working. Right. right. Exactly. This has been uh, really interesting. I have to, I have to be honest. Uh, it's, probably, it's really, really interesting to get into some of this conversation. It's always been an area that uh, I'm not a math person, so I always kind of get defeated <laughs> in the, uh, the realm of currency. But uh, it's an area that I think is super important uh, and valuable to most companies today, uh, so I really appreciate your time. Um, Maddie, if people want to follow you, they want to get more information, they want to find you online, can you give me a, a couple different places people can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm on Twitter pretty regularly, particularly whenever I'm out um, attending or speaking at conferences. So um, you can find me at Maddie Marketer, which is M-A-D-D-I-E, and then Marketer. Um, also, um, can can reach out to me there is, is a great place um i'm also like i mentioned speaking pretty frequently at conferences i'll be at hero conference um los angeles this next week um and then you know i'll be at smx advance in june here in seattle i'm speaking on mobile so um oftentimes there and as well as can always reach out to the point it um twitter account or reach out via the blog um, we have an awesome marketing team who always lets me know if someone's reached out or has a question for me or needs more information. Um, love, love reaching out to people and, and talking to them that way as well. Perfect. Uh, thanks again for joining the show. It was absolutely wonderful. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Great, Brent. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. Cheers. Thanks.